Who are you? What does it mean to be human? What is truth? Is your red the same as my red? Is free will truly free? What is morality? Join us as we explore these ideas and more in The Philosopher's Stone. Hello fellow alchemists and stoners, welcome to Philosopher's Stone, where we do a bit of game chair philosophy. Here on Philosopher's Stone, our purpose is to spark synergistic conversations on a myriad of complex and complicated topics. So Dustin, how are you today? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Doing, uh, doing, doing alright? Yep. Yeah, it's a Friday, and yeah, just chilling, yep. drinking my coffee, all that kind of great stuff. Ready to get into today's episode. Super okay. ecstatic about it. Very and important question. Yes. How did you make your coffee? With love. Aww. <laughs> no, I wanted to do a pour over, but all I had was like the Keurig, so I had to do. It's not like an actual Keurig. It's like some like off brand or something like that. It still makes decent coffee, but I didn't use like a K cup or anything. It was like one of those like fill it yourself type of deals. Okay. So, Did you at least fill it with good grounds? Yeah. Just good. Yeah. Some good grounds. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> good grounds to stand on. <laughs> I'll bet you my coffee's better. It probably is. <laughs> You're more of the coffee expert than I am. <laughs> uh, yeah. I've what about you? How How are you doing? I'm doing good. Like you said, it's Friday. Been a pretty chill day, and just made myself a fresh cup of coffee. A nice V60 pour over with single origin natural process beans. Oh, it's not a cylinders. competition. I swear. <laughs> it's not a competition. I swear. Nah, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it's been a good day. Can't complain. Yeah, yeah. What's been like the most interesting thing you've come across this week? The most interesting thing I've come across this week. I feel like I should have something, but I don't. Well, what's an interesting thing you came across? That I came across? Yeah. That you experienced. That I experienced. I did uh, get to work out today. Actually, I, I got to work out uh, all week this week. I, I've been following my, my workout schedule. I Today, I just squatted 250, no, 210 pounds. Okay. Squat at 210. I overhead pressed 115 pounds. Okay. And then I deadlifted 255 pounds. Dang. Yeah. Getting up there, man. Yeah. It's. <laughs> I gotta gotta keep keep trucking, you know. Keep keep grinding. Keep doing the work. Yeah. All that kind of good stuff. But that's yeah. That's my experience. What about you? I have not done any of that this week. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it's been a very interesting week. One one thing I, I'll share, though, is I've continued my journey through Thomas, Thomas More's Utopia. Oh. Which is new, new for me. I've kind of been slacking on reading it, but picked it back up this week and started getting through part two. Part one was like conversation between these people talking about you know england at the time that was written or like europe at the time it was written 
and how like a lot of the systems are bad, not working and everything. And then part two actually gets into utopia and how the system works. Mm. And it's interesting. Yeah, it's like on paper, it seems like it would work, but I have very many doubts as to how it would work in reality. Questionable at best. Yeah, there there's some interesting ideas in there though. But it is a like communist system. Yeah, there there's just some parts of it that I'm like I'm I'm not I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I'm not sure that that would actually work. One quick example and then we'll move on like actually start getting to the episode is basically everyone kind of grows up and learns a trade, right? And so they'll, you know, most people naturally pick up the trade of their parents within this theoretical country, pick up the trade of their parents. But if a kid wants to learn a different trade, basically they will change families and find a foster home of someone who works that trade and learn under them. Yeah, no, that sounds dumb. (laughs) And and, I mean, that's kind of been the most extreme idea that I'm like, eh, yeah. So, so there, there's some stuff like that, that is just, interesting and i haven't necessarily formed an opinion yet but yeah it's very very interesting so it's been an interesting read i'm excited to kind of continue chucking along and understanding everything in it but once i finish it then i will probably be able to form a more concrete opinion on it but for now just some very interesting ideas within this theoretical society yeah that that is interesting fascinating Yes, I'd love sir. to love to hear your thoughts after you're after you're finished finished with that. Yeah, once I'm actually finished, maybe we'll do a part three for Ideal Society, pulling apart Utopia. <laughs> but and then yeah. I'll go ahead and read Wealth of Nations, and then we'll do a part four extended episode. On, okay. We what would actually be really cool is if you did Wealth of Nations while I finished up Utopia, and then we did an episode discussing them both. Wait, did Wealth of Nations while you finish up Utopia? Yeah. <laughs> I've heard Wealth of Nations is a pretty thick book. <laughs> so I doubt... Yeah, that... light read for you, man. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> I mean, I'll definitely read it, but I don't think I'll be able to finish it by the time you finish Utopia. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Maybe we won't do that as an episode. I think... Yeah, having being able to read like kind of the source material on some of those ideas and then being able to to discuss it and then, you know, further develop you know, ideas and opinions from that, I think would be very I could see that as a very productive conversation. So maybe that's something we can we can do in the future, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I agree. It'd be fun. Absolutely. But shifting gears a little bit, I don't think we have any major changes or events coming up. Other than for those people in the Discord, we won't be recording next weekend, but we'll be recording the weekend after. For those of you listening on Spotify, of course, the episodes are coming out about every other week. So, yeah, we we should have an episode coming up in a couple weeks after this one releases. But yeah, and we we do have the the debates channel updated for for this episode as well. So if you're like listening to the recording or whatever, and you're like, hey, I'd like to add in some my thoughts and all that kind of good stuff, you know, feel free to drop into the Discord and 
and do so. You know what I'm saying? Add value yeah. to the conversation. Yeah, and I, I'm sure I've said this too many times at this point, but as always, like kind of the point of this is to start conversations. And so we'd absolutely love anyone to join the Discord and start sharing ideas and sharing thoughts and everything. So, yeah. But other than that, I don't think we have anything else for housekeeping. Do you know of anything? No, I think I think we're good. I think we're okay. Gucci, fam. Cool, cool. Sounds like a plan. If that's the case, then I will introduce today's topic, which is the importance of danger. And before we get started, as always, just full disclosure, to us, information is information, is neither true or false, right or wrong, good or bad, and our responses to these topics are merely our subjective perspectives of the assumed objective reality. We are in no way, shape, or form subject matter experts, and as such, we would like to invite you to join the discussion through the public discourse channel by adding any questions, comments, perspectives, and or experiences you might have in relation to the topic at hand. So, without further ado, let's dive right into it. Alrighty. So, go, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was just saying, already. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was excited. I was like, oh, he has opinions. Yeah, so... When I say importance of danger, what what comes to your head? Fire. Fire? <laughs> so, importance of danger. So I think, first of all, we probably should... I mean, I feel like the, the term danger is already kind of, like, inherently obvious a little bit. Something that's kind of threatening to, to life and limb, mm-hmm. so to speak. And so when we talk about the importance of danger. And there's a, a few things just kind of co- like pop into my mind. Maybe as we discuss this, we can dive further into these. But I think if we're trying to answer the question, is there some level of importance to danger? Then I would say to a certain extent, yes, because I think danger gives us the opportunity to improve ourselves in ways we wouldn't be able to otherwise, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so, however, I think obviously too much danger, right? Like, is no bueno. You know what I'm saying? It's it's not not the healthiest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. So I think like you know we've talked about don't bother kids while they're skateboarding, right? There is some mm-hmm. level of inherent danger with skateboarding because, you know, you can land improperly and, you know, break your ankle and whatever, which, you know, is not good. But I think if I remember correctly, one of your points was like, they're, they're not, they're trying, kids learn, kids that are skateboarding are trying to learn to become competent. And yeah, and I think even with weightlifting, like you, you know, there are so many instances of people being injured, especially doing like bench presses and everything because they're dumb and they don't know how to set the safety pins. But yeah, you're lifting a lot of weight, probably a lot more than you're like if that weight was dropped on you, you're not going to be able to like your body can't withstand that that level of force. But you have to submit yourself to that kind of danger in order to be able to press that weight and press progressively heavier weights in order for you to gain more and more strength, right? And the same with, you know, kind of the other squatting, deadlifting, and everything, like all that other kind of good stuff. But, yeah, anything that 
at least as best as, as I see it, anything that, that gives you the opportunity to improve yourself as, as an individual or even like, you know, as a group or whatever, there is going to be some inherent level of danger. I mean, even just driving, like, you know, you remember when you were like 16 trying to learn how to drive and you're in an empty parking lot and then your parents told you however many times you would have crashed into other cars and all that kind of good stuff, you know, there's, and then when you first learn, like actually driving, there are other vehicles around, right? There's some level of danger, right? Because it's a new experience and, you know, so yeah, like I think being able to learn how to navigate through dangerous situations fundamentally increases your level of competence in kind of some of those you know more dangerous scenarios if that makes sense but that's that's kind of my knee-jerk reaction <laughs> to yeah, the topic. yeah yeah no and i think there's a lot of really really good ideas in there and what you just said but first i would like to highlight kind of what brought this topic up for me was exactly what you're talking about it was in the chapter don't bother kids while they're skateboarding and it was talking about kids like doing donuts and driving very recklessly with their cars in like during the winter time when there's snow on the ground and everything it's like yeah like people could crash at any point in time but the point wasn't just the excitement of the risk but it was a challenge to become more competent and so i think that's one idea i'd like to kind of jump into and discuss is like the yeah, danger around you forces you to become more alert and more aware and rise up to a higher sense, to, to a higher level of competency than you otherwise would. And so what I think that is, is, well, okay, but before I jump into what I think that is, the, the amazing part of this, the really cool part of this is how how good we can become with very very dangerous things right Mm -hmm. again your example of driving when you're initially driving you're not great at driving right you you sit you stick a 14 15 year old behind the wheel and just say hey go drive an hour that way they're probably going to get into a wreck especially if you don't teach them how the car operates right yeah but somehow through a couple of years of driving you go from that to being able to go down the street and, you know, drive every single day and no wreck happens. Yeah. And I I think we see this everywhere. Like we see this in the kitchen with, you know, we're using sharp objects. We're using knives that, you know, if something were to go awry, could end up very, very badly. Or same thing like for people that, you know, let's say work in construction. If the building were to collapse, the people inside working on it would die. Or if, yeah, if you don't use a bandsaw correctly or you don't, you know, we we interact with very, very dangerous things all the time, yet somehow, and I'm not saying accidents never happen, but in my personal opinion, like, the frequency of accidents is far, far lower than it could be. Yeah, and I think even, like, just the nature of existence itself, like, you even... You know, band saws, cars, and construction, everything. A lot of those are like really man made. But if you look at kind of just more of a naturalistic standpoint, like you got hurricanes, you got tsunamis, you got floods, and you got like all kinds of different storms. And so, like, even with, you know, the danger of existence, like at yeah. least living on Earth, right? We've been able to develop kind of systems and processes and, 
you know, new technologies to help prevent some of those things from happening and be able to navigate like through those kind of disasters. I mean, we just went through an entire pandemic for (laughs) (laughs) however long. And, and so like, and yet we've come out on the other side, you know, like, you know, for better, for worse, whatever, but (laughs) they're like, even just with existence, there is some inherent level of danger associated with that. And so I think, I think it's, I think kind of the flip side of this is, I think it's very easy to, because we we talk about the importance of danger, not necessarily like the the, the existence of danger or like the, the character of danger, but this is the why danger is important, why it's necessary that we have to face danger. I think yeah. it's very easy to fall into a line of thinking that's all about like safety. And, and so, but I think there's a kind of a problem with that in that with too much safety, then that kind of restricts your freedoms, if that makes sense. Like, I think the the safest that you could ever be is if you're inside of like a padded room <laughs> with a a straight jacket on, right? And like you're spoon fed. Like <laughs> that's like legitimately probably the safest place I can imagine anybody being. Right, you're not yeah. able to harm yourself. Like, sure, there's probably some level of danger in this per- person spoon feeding you. Like, assuming that they don't have some malicious intent or whatever. Right, even automate the spoon feeding. You're just fed through a tube. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> but at that point, it's like, you know, nobody wants to be in that situation because you're restricted. There's no freedom, right? And so, and I, I liked, I loved what one of our commenters said in one of our previous episodes that freedom is dangerous. Like. If you want mm-hmm. to be free, you're going to have to assume the risks of of the the risks associated with being free. If you want to, yeah, and I think with freedom comes responsibility, and and being responsible, being competent is how you navigate through the the dangerous aspects of being free, right? And so, yeah. which you know that's kind of digressing a little bit, but and you know when we talk about danger and kind of like you know freedom and and you know, the importance of danger. I love the, the quote from, what was it like the third Ice Age with Buck? And he was telling his story about him fighting the, the dinosaur and everything. And they're like, did you die? And he's like, sadly, yes, but I lived. Like, you know, like, <laughs> like, and I've heard like the, the, the more you like, and people who get, who, who are in kind of those very dangerous situations, like, you know, skydiving or something like that, there's some exhilaration associated with that because, like, there's, along with that danger, it seems like there's, there's, like, life, you're living, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're getting to experience things that not everybody gets to experience, and you have, and in experiencing that, you're, you're kind of exercising your freedom to do, to do those kinds of things, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of... <laughs> yeah, no, I think there that, a little bit. Yeah, and I, I think that would be a very, very... Uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to put a pin in one idea for us to come back to. And that is kind of, sadly, I died, but I lived. And the idea that through danger, your former self passes away and a new version of yourself is reborn. Mm. Pin pin in that we're 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 not going to go there yet, but I just want to introduce that right now. But I do think the other idea of the relationship between danger and freedom is 
critical of like freedom is dangerous. If you have the capacity to make choices, you have the capacity to make bad choices more often than not. Right? Yep. And so I, I do think that that's important is the, yeah, part of the reason that danger is important is because a competent individual in a dangerous situation will always be safer than an incompetent individual in a safe situation. Kind of like the old Chinese proverb, it's better for a warrior to be in a garden than a gardener to be in a war. Yeah. And so, yeah. like, obviously, you know, like, gardening is fun. I've I've dabbled in it myself a, a bit, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and... I don't know, personally, like old Chinese proverbs, like anybody can say anything's an old Chinese proverbs if you really think about it, but. <laughs> That's like my favorite. I, I, only, I don't think it's a meme, but like I'll scroll through YouTube comments and people just like put their own comment and then just say it was by Sun Tzu. <laughs> <laughs> like Sun Tzu, Art of War. It's like, oh. <laughs> I shat my pants. Old Chinese proverb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. But anyways, I think there is some with that being said, I think there is some validity to that, you know, old Chinese proverb of, you know, gardener in a war and war or a warrior in a gardener, right? And so like, yeah, obviously one situation is inherently more dangerous than the other. And so it's better to have the more competent individual, the person who's been in that dangerous situation before, who's managed to navigate through that and survived <laughs> yeah and can then help other people be able to navigate through the same thing and help them survive right mm -hmm. and so yeah i think there's there's kind of something to be something to be said there but i think probably kind of the reverse side of that a little bit and kind of going along with the safety thing as i think the the opposite of of being competent in a dangerous situation, I think the opposite of that is being complacent. I think developing complacency, which I think can be very easily developed in a safe environment. And so when the danger does rear its ugly head, you're kind of sleeping at the wheel and not prepared to deal with it. Yeah. And so I think that's probably another, another aspect of danger that maybe we can dive into. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And so the idea there is that danger causes you to be alert. It causes you to wake up and to pay attention to the world around you. The idea is that if there is no danger, you are not being alert. Yeah. Right? I'd say so. Yeah. And, and so or maybe not that you are not being alert, but that it's 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 very easy to not be alert, to you know, it's kind of like habits. You don't practice being alert, right? Then yeah. it's going to kind of fall asleep at the wheel, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, I I think I think the danger in that is that you aren't like in a sense you're not living. Yeah. And and I'm not saying you should just recklessly go out and seek danger in every facet of your life. That's not what I'm saying at all. Yeah, don't set your house on fire because you want to live dangerously. Like, that's not, like, I think there's a difference between, I think a key point, a key, I guess, corollary with, with this topic of danger is the topic of competence. 
and mm-hmm. responsibility associated with that. So I think there's a difference between being competent and being responsible and then versus being reckless. So maybe a couple of ideas there that I would like to pull apart for this conversation. One is the difference between danger and risk. And two is the difference between danger and catastrophe. Mm. Because I think there's a difference between both of those that is very, very important here. Catastrophe is when terrible things happen, right? Yeah. Whereas I think danger is the potential for terrible things to happen. It's the potential for catastrophe. Yeah. And so in some sense, that's very, very perceived, Hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, because, and I I think there there is a caution in that as well because I think that you can, yeah, over over perceive dangerous and safe situations. Over perceive danger in safe situations. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So there's one idea, and then I think, kind of going back to the difference between danger and risk. I think that risk is in danger, but danger isn't necessarily in risk, maybe? I don't know. What what are your thoughts on the difference between those two? I would say danger is kind of more... I'm sorry, risk. I'd say risk is kind of more of a gradient type of deal. Okay. It's kind of like how much... I guess you could say how much danger is there. Like If you were to say risk is like a a danger scale from 0 to 100%, right? And the higher you go on this scale, the more... The higher likelihood the more dangerous the situation is, right? And so, yeah, and obviously, like, say you're at, your risk level is at, like, 75%, right? There's a 75% chance that you're going to face a dangerous situation, and maybe you can even say there's a 75% chance that that dangerous situation is going to lead to a catastrophe. So you have a 25% chance of navigating through that dangerous situation competently and coming out you know, virtually unscathed on unscathed on on the other side of that. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if that makes any sense or not. <laughs> yeah. So maybe danger is the potential for things to go bad. Risk is the probability things will go bad. I would say, yeah, I would say that's, that's relatively yeah. accurate. Because, like, you know, someone... Okay, this is a terrible example. But someone wielding a knife, we can say, is dangerous. But we could say an incompetent person wielding wielding a knife leads to great risk. I would say an incompetent person wielding a knife is also dangerous. It, yes, it's dangerous, but it's also very risky because a competent person wielding a knife won't. There, there's less risk there because the person knows how to handle it. Yeah, this is true. And so there might be more danger in the incompetent person. So uh, I don't know, but. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, the there's there's a difference between things actually going wrong and the potential for things to go wrong. And I think one thing is overperceiving danger in a safe situation, right? Let's say, you know, the the whole the rule is don't bother kids while they're skateboarding. And I think that part of that potentially is well, you perceive great danger in what they're doing, but they know what they're doing and they're competent in it. And so the danger is far smaller than you are perceiving it to be. Yeah. Well, I think kind of, yeah, I think kind of going along with that, like, I mean, I, I kind of got a little bit of a, of a C story here. 
when I was working on the submarine, we would fires are are a huge risk on a submarine, right? Like a trash, a small trash can fire can kill the entire crew in like five minutes, right? Yeah. And so, like, we are always like just harping on like knowing where all the fire hoses are, where all the fire extinguishers are, what types of different fires there are, like what's the fire triangle, fire tetrahedron, you know, all that kind of good stuff, and you know, different agents, and we're always running fire drills and everything, and so that we are competent, so that when the threat presents itself, we have, we've done the work, we've done the practice, we've, we've gone through the motions, we've, we've done all that, so we are able to competently handle that situation, and potentially save the lives of, of the crew, right? It's, yeah, it's, yeah, and same with, like, flooding and all that other kind of good stuff, right? Well, not good stuff, but, <laughs> yeah, we were running a fire drill one time, and, we had a junior guy in my division and we tasked him with running something to the, to the captain of the boat. Right. And this guy, instead of going to the captain, which wasn't, which wasn't very far away, he went all the way down to the bottom level of the boat. (laughs) And we're running on, on these masks, right? It's like, they're like these special masks that have tubes that you plug into kind of like an, an air pipe and everything so you can still breathe and everything with, with smoke and stuff. So, But the problem is, like, if you take it out of the, the, the header, the air header, right, you can't, you're not going to be able to breathe, obviously, because you don't want smoke coming up into your mask, right? So, yeah, yeah, it's a very good idea to stay plugged into the header. And so this, this kid goes all the way down to, like, a different room that he's not even supposed to, like, he shouldn't have even been in in the first place and didn't know where the header was. And so basically he passed out and one of the senior submariners down there saw him, saw what he was trying to do. And because he was more experienced and a little bit more competent, he took the thing that, that the, that the kid had and ran it back up to the captain. The captain was wondering, why are you giving this to me? Like you shouldn't even be giving this to me. Right. Yeah. And so basically, because of that kid's incompetence, he put, he took an experienced individual out from where that experienced person was supposed, was needed, was supposed to be at, right? Yeah. Because the experienced person had to cover for the incompetent person's ass, right? (laughs) And he would, he was a danger to himself. He passed out because he didn't know like what he needed to know, even though we harped on him every day to learn what he needs to know to survive that situation. And he always gave us lip about it. And so Mm -hmm. he was a danger to himself. And then if we ever decide to, for whatever reason, put him in charge of like a host team, he would be not only a danger to himself, but a danger to literally everybody on the boat because of his level of incompetence. Right. And I think that like, I think that kind of expresses the danger associated with being incompetent because you don't take the risks associated and you don't you don't look danger in the eyes and say, you know what, I'm going to deal with you in the most competent way that I can. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So question for you. Yes. What happened to that kid? So they were able to get the mask off. It was just a drill. Thankfully, it wasn't like an actual thing that went off. And so. He was fine. It was just like, yeah, people yelled at him, told him that he needs to 
learn how to do his job. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, like, for the safety of the crew, we have to lay, maintain some level of competence on the boat, right? Yeah. And so it's not like, you know, one person, like, one person can be a detriment to the rest of the crew. Like, that's, that's... Yeah, yeah. And so... But my point is, like, did he learn to do his job? Not really. He got oh. kicked off the boat uh, a few months after. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, so, like, and he did other kinds of stuff, which were, yeah, he made everybody nervous. Gotcha. Which is funny, um, because you literally have to volunteer twice to be on a submarine, and you have to pass a psychological evaluation in order to be on a submarine, and somehow he wow. got through that, and then, yeah, I don't know. Gotcha. Well, I was gonna say, which doesn't really work with this situation, is like <laughs> just like my experiment last episode, <laughs> <laughs> basically. Yeah. So by being incompetent, he took a very safe situation, which is a drill, and it became very dangerous for him. Mm-hmm. And so I think what that should have done is caused him to, like you know, uh, pull his head up and start paying attention to the world around him. So that's what I was going to say, is that, like, danger can cause you to be alert. But maybe the other side of that, which would be an important thing to talk about, is the voluntary aspect of danger. Hmm. That it, unless you voluntarily decide to step into it you won't become competent in it i think even even then kind of briefly going back and touching on on your previous point is i think to some extent he didn't necessarily feel the full effects of the danger in which he was in because there were more senior people to handle the to handle the the dangerous situation that he had created Yeah, yeah and so because of that, there was no need for him to be like, oh, this is a dangerous situation. I need to survive this situation. No, like, you know, somebody got the mask off of him. Somebody like, you know, whatever, took care of his business, right? Which, you know, yeah, but <laughs> but because of the competence of other people, of the other people who have, like, done their due diligence and have taken care of their shit... Like, I guess you could say there is some level of safety in that regard. But at, at the same time, it's also kind of unfair to place to place that responsibility on their shoulders without at least trying to do your part as well. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. And that's a, another interesting side of it is like encountering dangerous situations when more competent people aren't around. Mm. I, I think that's a very, very interesting side of things, of like, when you really, really feel the weight of the situation, it's not just like, oh, if I can't handle this, this other person can, right? Yeah. You, you don't have that safety net, but when you are in situations that people, other people aren't around, well, who needs to be the competent person in that situation? Yeah, the, the individual. Yeah, yeah. And that's something that I've experienced in my life of like, oh, there's situations in which it's like, oh, suddenly 
there's you know there there isn't someone else around one one example that i can point to really quickly is i did some work in coffee before the job that i have now and the coffee shop that i worked at beforehand we were like the minimum number of people in front of house was like four Hmm. and two of those people were often managers so like it, it was very much you know you you had people that were responsible in those situations so i went from that job to working at a coffee shop and suddenly i was working the closing shift alone and, and not like i had people there until it was time to close and then i was closing alone no my entire shift was alone i got there the person updated me on what was going on and they left and that was it you have the watch shipmate <laughs> yeah yeah and so suddenly I was responsible for the entire store alone. And for for the first, you know, it, it was over the summer and I'm in a college town. So like the summers are completely dead. And so for a while there is like, oh, we're, you know, I, no one's here. I, I get to just relax. But at some point it was like, I want to take care of this as if it was my own coffee shop. And so then I had to learn to do all of the things to actually keep the place cleaned up and keep it running very, very well. And at that point in time, like I had pretty high competence in customer service and in working in coffee. So like it wasn't entirely new to me, but it did cause me to kind of step up to really kind of from just a barista or just a, you know, someone working in customer service to someone who can take care of a store. Basically, you went from a Starbucks barista to an entirely new badass. No, because I wasn't working at Starbucks beforehand. Starbucks baristas... Well, I'm, I'm, I'm saying going like... going to stop before I finish that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Got a coffee snob all up in here. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Nothing against Starbucks baristas, by the way. I just, when I worked at Starbucks, did not have the best experience. Nothing so. against Starbucks baristas, everything against Starbucks itself. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so just being put in a situation which there isn't, you know, if something went wrong at my previous workplace, I just go to the manager and say, hey, like, this drink went out wrong or, you know, this spilled all over the place or, you know, such and such, and such happened and then they dealt with it. And it's like, no, if you make a drink wrong, you have to figure out how to deal with it. And um, even then, it's like, how did those managers get to those positions? You know what I'm saying? Without yeah. having to deal with the danger of like, oh, someone's, you know, fighting on table three. How do I handle this issue? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I mean, not that I've ever seen anybody fight in a coffee shop or anything, but. Uh, that, I haven't seen that yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I've seen a lot, though. <laughs> but yeah, so that's, I think, yeah, where, where it's important is whenever the safety nets begin getting removed, it forces you to kind of take things into a newer light. I'll be my own safety net. <laughs> Basically, yeah, that's what you have to do is be able to say like, okay, this isn't just, yeah, the uh, I'm not taking this lightly anymore. I need to get to a point where this is easy. And what's amazing about that, going back to what I said earlier, is like the level of proficiency we're capable of getting to with this, right? Mm-hmm. 
where you know we we can go from someone who's incapable of doing any of this to someone who is so precise and so good at their job that like the risk goes from like let's say 50% to 0.001%. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I personally just find that absolutely amazing the level of expertise we can actually get to when we really work and focus on things. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, and we I argue I would argue that we we the capability of being able to live up to those those standards, I guess you could say, those levels of competence, I think is very I think it's it's what's what's the word? Very intimate with us, very like it's that that potential just seems I, I would argue just seems is is associated with with every individual. I, I you know I strongly believe that every individual is fully capable of becoming the most competent individual that that they can be. You know what I'm saying? Or yeah, yeah. It it seems to be how we're wired that we step into a situation we have no idea what's going on, but through just repetition we get better at it. Yeah, absolutely. And I just I would argue not just repetition, but like like the what's the kind of the trial and error aspect of it you know like oh i tried this thing it didn't work so let's you know try something else (laughs) yeah or you know this this was a potentially dangerous situation i handled it and this is what came out of it this is these are some ways that it could have gone better like how do i learn from this i mean even this this podcast, right? Like just before we started recording, we were just talking about like you know our very first episode. We're like, oh, what do we do? <laughs> like, yeah, how do yeah. we do this? It's like we were. I mean, I I'm, I wouldn't even argue that we're all that competent from when we started, but like starting this podcast, like we like okay, how are we going to record this? You know what? Like, how is this all? What is this going to look like? Right, we yeah. could speculate as much as we want, but until we actually got in and did it, and it's like, okay, we're going in here. We could, you know, talk intelligently and be the most like intelligent game chair philosophers like on the face of this planet, or we can go out there and make an absolute fool of ourselves and never record another episode again. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I guess you could say there is some level. I mean, granted, it's not like I don't know there's a whole lot of danger, but like. There is some level of of danger. It's, it's kind of like the fear of the unknown. What's going to happen, right? Yeah. And so, you know, like, and I think anybody can can really take that and and you know, and I would even argue that like my decision to join the Navy wasn't like <laughs> it was it was it was a very impactful decision. Like when I when I got on the bus to leave for boot camp like that was a like i had no idea like what i was going to face like i had no idea like being out on a boat and you know world war three goes off and my boat gets sunk and like how like <laughs> you know what i'm saying like yeah, i'm just gonna yeah. drown in the middle of the ocean like what's 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 going to happen i have no idea am i gonna go to boot camp not even make it through like break a leg or something like that during like pt or something and you know, like mm-hmm. what's I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. I can I can speculate, but like leaving and it's like, okay, I have no more control anymore over my yeah. future. Like that is not 
that's that's a little bit of a scary like situation to be in like not gonna lie and so you know long term i guess you could say there is some level of danger associated with that but you know you never know until you actually take the leap of faith and like let's let's go in and let's figure it out yeah 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 i completely agree so two more things that i think i'd like to hit in our last few minutes is one going back to the pin of death to the old self through danger and then i think the last one is what is the proper way of incorporating this into your life yeah so yeah i i I think that starting with the first point like you know it's through experience that you begin to become competent you begin to learn more and you actually begin to change yourself right yeah and so with that i think willingly confronting the your fears and the things that in your perception bring up danger right the the things that in your perception are dangerous is how you get experience with those things and be able to and and really change and become more competent and more put together because of that yeah i don't know what are your thoughts no i i agree it's yeah it's really just a transformative process (laughs) yeah yeah i mean kind of going along with that i mean i know i know i mentioned the the skydiving example but i did actually go skydiving (laughs) when i was stationed in hawaii not to brag or anything (laughs) but i mean i would say like you know getting to that plane and like taking off and you start seeing like the ground the earth getting further and further away (laughs) you're like i'm about to refall into that (laughs) i hope this parachute is (laughs) packed well (laughs) yeah and so, like, you know, that, like, you know, my my gut was in a knot, and it was all up in my throat, and it was like, oh, boy. <laughs> and so, like, we finally got up to altitude, whatever the altitude was, and they threw the door open, and, like, I think, like, five different people just, like, crawled outside, and they were, like, the plane was still going, and they were hanging on to the door, just, like, like... You know how people like hang on to a boat when you're out on a lake or something like that? Like yeah. they were doing that like outside the plane door. Like they were just like holding on, just like wow. <laughs> nothing. Because they had done it so so often. They've become like so competent. And yeah. so, you know, I had my instructor behind me, we were like tied in together. And everything. We were the last ones. I would see like one by one, like <laughs> uh, an instructor and like a like a tourist just going out and everything. And I'm like, mm-hmm. and it was like finally our time. I'm like Oh, there's no backing out now. (laughs) And so the instructor kind of tricked me. He's like, all right, on the count of three, we're going to like drop out of the, out of the doorway here. Right. And so we're like, okay, bet. I was like one, two, but on two, we just kind of kept going and going and going. (laughs) (laughs) So we fell out and it was like, yeah, I'm like, I'm no longer in control. Like, (laughs) I have to trust the competence of the person that I'm strapped to, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah, and so like 
and like i was like screaming my head off and like we were following so fast i couldn't even hear myself like all i heard was just wind rushing by my face i mean it was absolutely exhilarating absolutely loved it and then like yeah. when i pulled the parachute you know we're in hawaii so the scenery was absolutely beautiful and everything oh my gosh bro yeah no, it was it was super fun and but yeah like that you know first time skydiving like you know people like oh i want to go skydiving it's like okay yeah you know <laughs> but then you get in there you're like oh yeah this is there's a lot more involved in here than i <laughs> had initially anticipated <laughs> yeah yeah and so and I, I would even argue like you know if you are going skydiving and everything like and you're going with an instructor because it's like your first time or whatever like you have to trust the competence of of that person that's strapped to you and that the competence of that person basically provides this your safety yeah and I think being able to provide that safety to other people and the people around you, you have to develop that competence for yourself. And yeah, like yeah. you said, it's it's through the existence of danger that you get the opportunity to transform yourself in developing that more that that increased level of competence to to deal, you know, with those kind of more dangerous situations. And again, kind of be a safety net to other people around you. So. Yeah, and it pushes you further than you can go without it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Going off of the Hawaii example, we came and visited you while you were there, and there was one afternoon that we just kind of had free, and where we're at was like by, you know, kind of some of the really, really tall, are they hills, are they mountains? I don't know. But what it, what ridges... We'll call them mountains, right? Yeah, they have a couple of mountain ranges out there. Yeah, yeah. And so I had kind of gone for a hike along some trails and like just found a spot that I could start climbing straight up the mountain. But like initially it, it was just kind of a slope, so it was still just kind of hiking. But then I begin getting to these ridges and these these walls are like steps almost, right? So you have like mm -hmm. two, three feet of space on this ledge, and then you kind of climb up probably about, I would say between four to eight feet, maybe. Hmm. And then you're on another kind of two or three foot gap, right? Hmm. And so I start climbing up these, you know, cliff faces, and I, I mean, you, you get a few up there, you're like 20 feet, you know, high. You start looking down, and you're like, bro, if I fall... <laughs> I'm dead. <laughs> but I just kind of kept on going and probably got a good halfway to three quarters of the way up the mountain. And still, and, and I found like a little bit of a wider ledge that maybe like 10, 15 feet of just kind of flat surface. And I turn around and just like could basically see the entire island. Hmm. Like just an absolutely gorgeous view, which was amazing. But the thing is, after climbing a few of those, like I started getting really, really tired. And so if <laughs> the really the kind of only thing that kept me going was I if my arms can't give out, <laughs> like if they give out, like I'm falling. <laughs> and so wow. because of the risk of falling, I didn't have a harness. I didn't have like that. I wasn't strapped into anything. There's no safety there. But because of the risk of falling, like my arms and legs were 
you know, were able to last a lot longer than I think they otherwise would have. I probably would have gotten tired halfway through and stopped. And don't forget, I had to come down the entire way as well. And so I had to find footholds and everything in just regular rock on my way down, not really able to see where I was placing everything. But yeah, because of the risk, because of the danger in that situation, I was able to climb for a lot longer than I otherwise would have. So, yeah. And the other thing is, whole other point, the rewards of the end. Yeah. We, we, we saw a lot when we came and visited you. Like, we, there, there was a lot that we got to see. But I don't think at any point I got that kind of a view of the island. And, like, that only happened because I took the risk, I faced the danger, and climbed up this mountain. But because of that, I don't know, kind of kind of selfishly, I think I got to see something that none of y'all got to see. And <laughs> I'm quite happy with that. I probably got to see it all the way up from my uh, parachuted. <laughs> Frick you. <laughs> I'm kidding. But yeah, and just like got to sit up there, like just a nice cool breeze blowing and just relax and yeah, just take in the beauty of it all. And it was amazing. And the other side of it is I have done a lot of climbing growing up. And so, like, that is something I'm relatively competent in. So, yeah, you you face danger, you grow, you become competent, and then that competent opens up opportunities for you to step into that you didn't have before. And so I think there is a line there that facing danger allows for you to live life more fully. Yeah. Or at least, in order to live life more fully, you're going to have to face danger. Maybe that's a better way of saying it. Yeah, that living life more fully assumes taking on danger. Taking on danger does not assume living life more fully. Yeah, no, I... <laughs> that's the line I wanted to. I want to draw there. Yeah, yeah, we're we're, and so I think yeah. So in this episode, we're not saying that you should just go out and seek danger, but it's saying that whenever it comes to growing in your personal life, facing the parts of your life that scare you can be important for your growth and probably will be important. Absolutely. And if you're the kind of person that like seeks danger, like the only way we'd advocate for that is if you get sponsored by Red Bull, but that's the only... Yeah, I'm I'm yeah. kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I 100% agree. I think, yeah, if you're going to live life fully, you're going to encounter danger. And so, yeah, and I think, again, that kind of goes back, like, there's a difference between being responsible and competent. There's a difference between that and being reckless. Yeah. I think yeah. it takes a certain amount of competence and responsibility to not be reckless. <laughs> yeah. So recklessness is not what we're advocating. But yeah. But yeah. yeah. I don't know. Any, anything else you want to add before we wrap up? No, I think that's I think it's a good discussion. Yeah. Good stuff. Thought provoker for the week, I think would Yeah. May maybe try and identify what you fear most, the the things that you fear in life. And with those fears, identify what dangers they bring with them. I would even say, like, 
if if you come across an opportunity, don't fear the potential face the potential dangers associated with that opportunity. If that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to be inspirational. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because um, I know like like, you know, if you get like a like a new job offer or something like that, or if like you new promotional opportunity or something like that or new like whatever, right? I know sometimes or like just any major change in life or major decision you have to make. I know there it can be very you know, it's the fear of the unknown. Like you don't know what's going to happen, right? Yeah. And so I guess what I'm saying is like if if you have something like that in your life, some kind of major decision you have to make, like just go for it. <laughs> yeah. Like work out the work out the problems and the danger as you go through it. Yeah. You know, that's the only way you're gonna like learn. And so Yeah. 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 So that that'd be my my thought provoker inspirational <laughs> makes sense but well anyways everyone thank you so much for listening and tuning in hope you all have a great week and always remember think critically and live fully see ya <laughs>